Let's get started this morning. Today, I want, I want to ask you something that, that if, as a Christian, how many, of you, how many of you feel like the Christian walk gets complicated sometimes? How many of you feel like, man, I wish this was way more simpler than what, I mean, imagine, imagine the Israelites when they would have to come together. They would, like, come together and read the whole uh, Old Testament law, like, in one sitting. Y'all think, man, this guy, 20 minutes is all I can stand. They, I mean, they had to sit there for, like, a day. Surely they took a, a cappuccino break or something in the middle of the day. I don't know. But, you know, they would, they would assemble millions of people and read through the Torah and all the laws and everything so that they would be reminded on every little jot and tittle of what they're supposed to do with the every day of their life. Man, that gets overwhelming. You know, I, I remember when I was working construction, you go to these, uh, these, these safety classes before you go into the plant, and there were so many little things that you had to remember and I remember, I never would pay attention, man. I would just, like, go to sleep, and then when the questions came up, I would just hope that I got it right. And, uh, but it's just ridiculous. How many of you realize all the things that we have to remember? Uh, when you're driving a car, you've got to remember all the, the rules and stuff. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I just forgot all those now. Now I just, quit, I just try not to run over people. There's just so many things to remember in life. Uh, I remember Callie going through driver's ed, you know. I, I'm like, I can't even remember half these rules. I just... I just learned, you know, how to drive practically. You know, when there's nobody on the road, I can do what the heck I want. I can go from this shoulder to that shoulder, relax a little bit, not worry so much, turn the radio up louder, uh, you know. you know. But there's just all these things that it seems that we're to remember. Wouldn't it be nice if we had like a key fob, you know, and, and you're coming to a decision in your life, and you, you pull out the key fob, and it was almost like the eight ball. What should I do? You know, and you, and you click it and, it, and it gave you a green light to proceed or a red light to, to just stop and go somewhere else. It reminds me of that song, Should I Stay or Should I Go? I sing that song all the time. I'm thinking, what should I do right now? And, and what I want you to know is this, is, is when you can get this, when you can get what being a Christian is all about, when you can get the point that Jesus is trying to make in our life, when you can really get what God wants to do through your life, it will make your life so much simpler, so much sweeter, so much less effortless because we as people, it's funny, we're at, a, we're, at a, uh, we're at a giving Christian organization yesterday and that woman, by God, was going to feed us whether we wanted to eat or not. She asked us ten times, do you want to eat? No, ma'am, we are not hungry. Not a one of us is hungry. Okay, well, I'm going to go get you something to eat. But ma'am, we're not hungry. And, and you know, that's just, that is the, the, the natural desire of people is to, to be square with one another. You know what I mean? No, you did something for me. I have to do something for you. And, and that is such an, an innate part of our being, but it so defies the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that in that while we were yet sinners, while, were you, while you were a nasty, scum, dirty scoundrel, Jesus still died for you. Jesus still died for you. I want you to think of the most nastiest thing, the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done. I mean, it probably makes you just shudder. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine if we took the worst thing that you've ever done, the most embarrassing, shameful thing that you as an individual have ever done, and you may be the only person that even knows about it. If we put it up on that screen, this place would probably clear out like a, like a like a crazy bar fight on fire. People would just get out of this church. and You know what I mean? Honestly. Honestly. 
I mean, how, you know, how would you feel if everybody knew what you knew about yourself? The, just the, the worst thing that you knew about yourself. Everybody nervous and uncomfortable now? Here's the deal. Jesus knows that about you. Jesus knows that about you. Jesus knew that about you. Jesus knew it about you before you even did it. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he looked in the cup of wine and he saw what you did last summer. Shame on you. You know, he, he, he knows this about you. You know, when we go out looking for a mate, when we go out looking for somebody to love us, whether it be in a good place like church or, you know, or vacation Bible school. Actually, you're a little too young if you're vacation Bible school for a spouse. You know, or, <laughs> you know, even if you're in a worldly place like the river or, you know, get down Browns. Yeah, I threw you off on that one. Some you don't even know where that place is. Or, uh, let's see, the Longhorn. That place still exists, right? I, don't, I mean, there's no telling how many places they burn it, burn it, how many times they burnt that place down for insurance money. It's crazy. But um, I think it's burned down like four times since I was in high school. But, uh, you know, when you, when you go out looking for somebody, you don't go out to them and say, Hello, my name is, is John, and I want to tell you the top worst things about me. You know, you go to that person, you say, Hey, I, 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 wanna, I, I want you to know the best things about me. You know, you, you go get a toupee and a wig if necessary to hide all your discrepancies. You know, you go get you one of them spandex tight shirts, you know, that sucks in your gut, makes your chest look big. I mean, this, this is the life that we live, and Jesus came to defy our, our, our perspective of life and our perspective of love and our perspective of, of living amongst one another and, and what our aims in life should be. And so... Wouldn't it be nice though, if we had this, this little device that would tell us what to do in each and every situation? And, and I won't tell you today that you do. And, and that device is love. Everything that you do in life, when you make any decision, the very first thing you should ask yourself is this, is how does it affect the people around me? How does it affect the plans for God uh, that, that God has in my life? How does it affect my family? How does it affect my spouse? How does it affect my children? And I, and I guarantee you that a lot of you right now, the decisions that you make in your life, that right now, if you were to judge it by the word and judge it by the love that God has called us to judge it by and make these decisions by, you would be making different decisions than what you're making in your life right now. You would not be making the decisions that you're making when it comes to your spouse. You would not be making the decisions that you're making when it comes to your kids and your job and, and, and your commitments and all those things because you would be looking through things through the lens of what the Bible calls as true love. And the Bible has called us, called us to love one another. And in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're asking questions, trying to set him up. And Jesus says this, and, it said, and he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, This is the great and first commandment. And then he says, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. Now, Jesus is saying, Look, you can read all the law of the prophets all day long, he says, or you, can real, or you can get what the prophet, the law of the prophets are trying to say. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Jesus said, look, let me make 
Let me make this whole thing, this whole, this life, let me make uh, the, the whole history of, of the church and the world, let me make things simple for you. Love God and love people. And in John 13, 34 through 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Here's the, here's the catch, though, just as I have loved you. Now, how big, is, how, how big of a statement is that? It says, you also are to love one another. It says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this is what I want to do today. If Je- I want to just simply talk about this scripture right here and really ask ourselves, what did Jesus mean when he said that? Because what Jesus was trying to do right here, Jesus was trying to take all of this and sum it up in one statement. Love God, love one another, but love. You see, this whole Bible here, you know, we, we think that we think that this word it is it is to change us, but what this word ultimately is to do is to help us fall in love with God. This word is to convey the love that the Father has for us by sending his son to die on the cross. This word is not about trying to appease God because we could not appease God. The only thing that could appease and please God was the sacrifice that Jesus made, but that pleased God for him to do so so that we would have the opportunity to be in a relationship with him. That's what, that's what pleases God. We can't please him by our perfection and our goodness because it's not there <laughs> to be done with. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And so we see this here that Jesus comes so that he can give us a new heart, that we can be a new creation, old things are passed away, and that he can take a heart that knew not love and put love within it. You know, I remember mine and Christy's relationship. We've been married 20, would be 21 years this year. And I remember I met her the, the day before her 15th birthday. Uh, we went to uh, homecoming at Lumberton. What, 90, 91, 80, 89, 90. And we went to homecoming. She was 14 years old. I was 16. And I drove my old, my old uh, I was still riding the blue Dodge then. But anyway, you know, I, I remember just, I remember going out with her, and we went to Riverfront Park, and I don't know where we ate. We probably ate at Bennigan's. That's where everybody ate for dances back then. But, you know, we, oh, we ate Chinese food. Yeah, I don't remember all the details. How many of you men remember every detail of your life? Like, Christy's like, you remember that time you wore this shirt, we went to this restaurant, and you had this drink, and you ate this food? And I'm like, no. I remember dating you, you know, but, um, so, <laughs> but I, I think of, I think of our relationship, and, you know, for six months, man, it was beautiful. And then, like, for, ugh. <laughs> Man, those teen years are tough. You know, people are like, you know, dating. I'm like, don't do it, you know, until you're older and have a little sense. But but, uh, but some sense is only gained through not having sense. And so, uh, you know, we dated for six months, and then we broke up. And it's like, man, we would we would break up one week, get together the next, you know. And, and you know, I think our parents thought about having a, like a, a type, you know, getting... A restraining order filed on us, you know, to stay away from each other. They, y'all are crazy. 
And, uh, and, uh, and I went in the Marine Corps to, to uh, just say, well, I'm leaving. I'm going to the Marine Corps. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm leaving Lumberton. I'm leaving Christie. I'm leaving everything. I'm going off to do my thing. And getting to boot camp, we start, you know, writing letters, corresponding. And, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, man, God was playing tricks on me. Man, he set me up, you know, to keep staying in contact with her. And, but, you know, we, we, we end up saying, hey, we, we still love each other. Let's get married. And we get married. And then, and then uh, you know, I'm in the Marine Corps, and I'm doing what the heck I want to do. And I'm doing the things that I want to do. And she's just my wife, you know. And then, you know, it, it just, it was, it was rough. It was hard because we were so selfish, and we... We, uh, I mean, we had affairs, we had fights, we, we stayed drunk, we just did everything we could to, and it was, it was my fault. She got saved, and I brought her out there and just put her through hell. And, um, but I did, I never, I don't think I ever truly experienced love like I did when I was in Singapore. And I called her, and I, and I told her, you don't call your wife when you're in Singapore. You don't call your wife in Singapore and confess all your faults to her. That is the stupidest thing to do. You don't call somebody when you're not there to, like, grab them, keep them from running away from you or whatever. You know, and, but, but I remember when I, I had repented before I went on my last deployment, I said, God, I'm done with being me. I said, show me how to be what you want me to be. And I remember, God, we went, we went overseas, and I just remember God dealing with me about the things that I had done that I hadn't told her. And uh, I just, I said, you know what, I, don't, I, want, I want things to be right between me and my wife and so I called her I think we had two thousand dollars of phone call calls just out of two phone calls on a credit card that was our first credit card we ever had and that that was my initial uh, marriage therapy you know we paid it off and it's worked and so but I remember calling her and saying Christy I love you and I just I can't live anymore with with this stuff in my heart I said, God, just I can't, I can't wait because I was I was one month into a six month deployment, wasn't gonna see her for five months. I said I can't go to bed every night with this, and so I told her what I had done, and then she confessed some things to me, and I'm like, okay, well I can live with that. I still love you, and uh, and but she but when she told me what she when she told me what she had done, she said, look, I'll just pack my stuff and I'll go home. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't want you to go. I love you, and just that that that. Her, her response to me from telling her all that I had done and, and, and being there when I got off the ship, you know, all looking spiffy and pretty for me, you know. I'm thinking, you know what, she loves me. Not, you know, not only did she forgive me, she waited five months to face me, you know, and I thought, God, this must be true love. It, it truly must. You know, we were like, man, they could have made a, a, a Disney movie out of our love, you know, like Where the Red Frog Grows or something like that. Or the, you know. Yeah, lifetime, you know, and yeah, you're right, Christy. More lifetime, and and uh, what what would be the what would be the what would be the the name of this movie? Yes, yeah, no, Singapore Secrets. So, but you know, I I realized that despite all that I'd done for her, she loved me anyway, and despite what she had done, I loved her anyway. And people, when it comes down to it, our 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 question in life is this: is how do I love people? How do I love people truly? You can't go off emotions all the time. You can't, you can't, because cause here's the deal. Your emotions are countless until it becomes true love. And it's, our, it's the things that we begin to apply in the Word of God that shows us what true love is, that manifests itself as true love, and will in, it eventually become a true pattern of love in our lives. 
So Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. And I got three minutes to finish this, okay? So y'all listen. He says, a new command I give to you. And he says, this is one command to rule them all. Love. Love. If you go into a situation and you love somebody, you won't violate the commandments. If you go into a situation and you prefer that person, if you, you know, I looked up the definition of love, and obviously there's love, you know, he didn't say marry everybody. Or there's different levels of love. But the love, you know, that we're like, we're, it says in consideration for, for the sake of. We have got to love people and be for the sake of them. Ultimately, not the quality of their lives, but ultimately that they will live in heaven for eternity. Ultimately, that they will come to know the same Savior and the same experience that we have from a God who loved us despite who we were and what we've done. And so a new command I give to you, 1 John 3.11 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, I thought this was a new commandment. No, it's, it's not a new commandment. The whole Old Testament was about this. Love God and love people. Jesus says, I'm just stating it in a sentence so that you can understand what the meaning of all this is because God wanted you to see the big picture. God wanted you to understand that you couldn't do it any other way except through Jesus Christ. And he says, just as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? It says in Ephesians 5.2, it says... And walk in love. This is Paul telling Timothy, or telling the church. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you know that when we love people the way that God has asked us to love them, we are making a sacrifice that is pleasing to God? We are doing what is pleasing to God, and also we are taking concern for those people. We are, we are saying we're going to love you for, for, for the blessing of God for you, and also for me, because if you're not walking into correct love, it's not, it's gonna, you're not going to turn out any better on the inside. Just as I loved you, Jesus laid down his life. How many of you, if you're in a group of people, would, would, would just totally say, you know, if y'all want to go in here, that's fine. But how many of you are always about yourself? Every decision you make is about yourself. Every, everything that you do is about yourself. You don't think about the consequences that, it, that it's going to uh, cost everyone around you for you to get what you want, for you to be selfish, for you to get what you desire. You see, that, that's, the whole, that's the whole point of sin is selfishness and not thinking about others and doing what you want and not taking concern for other people. Jesus is saying, hey, love people. Be for them. Meet their needs. And then it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Man, sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to just, like, have a little flag. There's a name for this flag. I'm not going to say it from the pulpit. But it's like, it's like you wish you could carry a pocket in your flag. You know, the bull, the bull flag, right? And it's like you just want to have it so you can hand it out when appropriate. When people start to say, you know, you know I mean, and that wouldn't be right because then you wouldn't be acting in love. But, you know, it's like, you know, when people talk about how much they love. Uh, oh, God, what was that old lady said at that church one time, Dad? Yeah. 
Yeah, she says, I hate people, but oh, I love Jesus. Really? That's when she needed a flag. I'm going to hand you this flag. And it's not for Memorial Day, okay? And, you know, and, and, and it's just, you know, people, Jesus says that by this, people will know that you are my disciples. Not by what you say, but what you do. By what you manifest, by your actions toward other people, by the life that you live, they're going to know if you love people or not. You see, God, God, we are what are what we feel and what we believe and what we do. It is evident of the fruit in our life. It is the proof that's in the pudding. You see, we can't we can't escape we can't escape the realities of what's in our heart. The Bible says that we'll be known by our fruits. And he says that so that we can't get suckered in this life. He says that so when a man comes forth preaching the word or somebody goes out representing him, that we don't follow the wrong one in lieu of the right one because they'll lead us to destruction and not towards the holiness and the godliness that God wants us to participate in. But 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For for, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen so this is like the test this is the acid test or the or whatever kind of test you want to call it that that says do you love God do you love people because the two are the same it also says this and this is a big problem that Christians do is we're just to love 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 so love anything and everything that walks right well Jesus or in John uh, it says in 2.15 through 16 in First John, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. You know we do. We just get generalized love. Love everybody. And, and or we are to love everybody, but we're not, we're not to love the things of the world. We are to be able to discern what we're to love and what we're to literally hate. And it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it says if you love worldly things, then the love of the Father, which you're supposed to be manifesting to people, is not in there in the first place. Once again, there's another test that we have to, you know, judge. You know, how many of you know that we're to judge our hearts and ourselves and look and ask ourselves questions day in and day out? Hey, am, am I even looking like what this Bible is wanting me to look at? Because if we're not, we need to diagnose, we need to repent and confess, not be under condemnation. Because if you're a believer, how much condemnation are you under? Zero. But if your conviction is saying, hey, you need to repent, then you need to repent. Not based on what you feel or, or, or whatever or, or your current situation, but based on what God is asking you to do. And then you'll pass the test. And once you pass the test, you can move on to a greener pasture and to another test. Amen? But don't just stand there locked up, getting nowhere, and, and, and living in turmoil. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of the life is not from the Father, but is of the world. So true love is from the Father, and true love can be recognized by its fruit. But we're called to love one another. It's the one question that, hey, even if you're going to move, you should ask yourself, how does this affect the people around me? If you're going to get a new job, you know, how does this affect my family? And, and, and me being a father, a dad, a mom, or whatever. If I'm going to say something, I should say, how does this affect those around me? That's where we fail the most, including myself. Because it's, 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 it's like, those are the, that's, the, that's probably what we come across more every day. And so, he says, I give you a new commandment. Love as I have loved you. 
be willing to, to, to sacrifice. Be willing to obey, to, to help people, to love people, to care for people, to put them before your own self. And it says, don't love the things of the world. Love the things that I've called you to love and do the things that I've called you to do. And he says the goal here, 1 Timothy 1 through 5, Paul says the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, what is he saying here? He says he, we want you to have the right love. We want you to have a godly love. And so you look at these things here. If you're, if, when, your love is, if, when your love is the way that God wants it to be, first of all, your heart will be pure. In other words, you'll have the right intentions. You know, people, even if you're in conflict with somebody, your end resolution should be restoration, not who's right and who's wrong. Your, your, your end game should be how can we bring peace to this situation? Because Paul says seek peace when possible to bring, to bring unity back into a relationship. Don't be prideful and make it about you, and, and, and I'm going to win all that. Say, look, how can we walk together in unity? How can we love one another? How can we uh, be, be united with one another? So your heart has to have the right intentions. And see, our intentions are, are judged by this book. Our, our, our intentions are called out by the words of this Bible that tells us, you know, what our intentions should be. You see, sometimes we say we love, but our intentions are totally not pure. And that pretty much calls out the love that we're not properly walking in. Good conscience. You know, here's the deal about good conscience. When you lay down at bed at night, do you have anything bothering you? And what that means is, is the Holy Spirit convicting you about anything? Is the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you need to work this out with God or you need to work this out with somebody else? You know, the Bible says is don't go to sleep like that. Don't let the sun set on those situations in your life when you're crossed up with somebody. Work those things out. Don't go to bed because what happens is when we refuse to deal with things over and over and over in our life, our conscience becomes seared and our hearts grow calloused and we get hard-hearted and we just get numb. And you, there's no way you can love out of a numb heart. It's just not going to happen. And then the last thing is a sincere faith without hypocrisy. In other words... Know what you believe by reading the Word of God and walking in that as your guidebook, as your rules of how to love. And that's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to talk about how do we love each one another as believers. You know, there's 35 one another's. 35 good examples of this is what it looks like to love somebody. But what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, do we truly love people? And I want, to, I want to just reiterate again. Christ, knowing what he knows about you, knowing, knowing everything that you've ever done, he still died on the cross for you. You know, this, this is what we suffer. This is what's the most difficult thing for us in our lives is this, is knowing what we know about people and still loving them. Now, are there decisions that we have to make sometimes that are wise and whatnot? Yes. But do we ever stop loving people? No. No. We need to love people. We need to be about their welfare. We need to be about their hope. We need to be about their future and what God has for them. Because here's the deal. When it all comes down to it, they are no more worse off than you are as an individual without Jesus. And that's what we have to be about day in and day out. And so we have to ask ourselves, we've we got to judge everything that we do in our lives by love. 
You know, if if if, if I'm if I'm doing anything, you know, it's called this is this is called spiritual situational awareness. Whatever you're doing, how's it affecting people around you? If I'm at a ball game, and 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 I'm sitting in the stands, and and if I'm if I'm doing something that's annoying the people around me, I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing because I don't want to. You know, you see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, no, no matter where I'm going, always think about what you're doing, how it's affecting the people around you, and love them. Be for their good. Uh, you know, I, William, me, I've, I've still got Marine Corps nature, but William, every time he comes into a room, he says something to encourage somebody because William wants to come in and speak good things into people's lives, bring happiness into their life, bring joy into their life. And that's what we ultimately should be about. You know, this morning I was walking around in, in church asking people, hey, what are you thankful for? What does the Bible say about coming to church on Sunday? It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Let me ask you this. Can you enter into his, court, his sanctuary with thankfulness if you haven't asked yourself, what am I thankful about? That's something we should ask ourselves every time. You know what? And I was walking around this morning inspired to tell people, hey, Let's do what God's called us to do today. I love them, and I wanted to encourage them to say, hey, what is it today? What is, what's the best thing we can do for everybody today before we get out of here? But I want to encourage you today. Love people. You know what? It's sacrificial. Yesterday, yesterday we got up. We got here at 8 o'clock, and we worked our butts off till 12 o'clock. You know what? It was sacrificial. Were there other things that we could do? Yep. But you know, some of you said, I'm not going. I have other things I'd rather do. You know what? And that's totally your decision, but what I'm telling you is this. God wants you to sacrifice. Now, do, do we have our own lives that we need to take care of sometimes? Yes. But you know what? You know when the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, you need to do this instead of this. Be sacrificial. Love people. Serve people. Encourage people. Be about their good. Do the best thing that you can do for that person at that time, and your life will dramatically change for the better. Amen? Now, nah, let's pray. Father, we just come this morning, and we just thank you, God, for all that you've done. And God, I pray that as we go through this summer, Lord, that I pray, I pray for the best summer that we've ever had. God, I pray for us to relax. I pray, God, for us to be peaceful. God, I pray for us to swim and eat and fellowship with one another and just to have a great time. Uh, and, Lord, not to let the summer go by without enjoying it. God, I pray for a restful, fun summer for everybody in this church. But, God, I pray that we not forget you and your people, Lord, at Gateway Church, Lord, as we love and live and, and fellowship together. And, God, I pray that as we take up this offer for, for Sam, that you will just put on our hearts what to give and that we can bless her greatly today. God, I, th I thank you for these opportunities here at Gateway Church, Lord. Opportunities, Lord, to, to be thankful. Lord, I've been here. I've needed help, Lord, and this church has helped me greatly. And, Lord, I thank you for the opportunities to be there for someone else's need. God, I thank you for a church, Lord, that is committed to doing what your word says. The Bible says in, in Acts, Lord, that it says that everyone gave as anyone had need. And, God, I pray that we just continue to do that, Lord. Lord, that we be a needless church, Lord, because everybody's standing by to give need. And God, I pray that we give Sam way more than what she needs, and she can do whatever the heck she wants with the excess, Lord. Just be blessed and appreciate it, Lord. Know that her church loves her, 
and that we're thankful for them. And God, thank you for this opportunity on the day that we're talking about love to express our love to someone who loves us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all come and give this morning.